you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers, and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today we've got Dr Raquel Butler. Now, Raquel's been on before, and um, I'm sure if you go to horsechats.com, search for Raquel or search for Butler, you'll find that interview, and it's probably a good idea to get to know her a little bit more before you listen to this one. But in the area of the high word, I think, Raquel's pretty much a specialist there. How are you today anyway, Raquel? Yeah, good, thanks, Gladys. How are you? Good, good. Now, Raquel, I know this is your passion and this is what you study and everything else, but why the high oid? What got you interested in that particular area of the horse in the first place? Um, It's an area that I actually didn't know much about and it's Mm -hmm. not um, an area as a vet that we ever – kind of learnt about specifically and I had a vision in my mind of what I thought it was and then when I actually saw it under dissection, I realised it was a very complex structure um, and it just, it and quite an amazing structure. So in the way uh, it sits in the horse and in the way that it works. Mm-hmm. And then when I started treating horses from a bodywork perspective, um, then it became even more interesting uh, looking at the hyoid and then examining like what else was going on in the body and how did the hyoid feel compared to that those things. So, yeah, and then just seeing changes in the body just from working on the hyoid okay. um, is really what's driven that. Yep, yep, yep. All right, well, let's start off first of all. If you can talk about the hyoid, talk about the bones, the attachments, what it is, where it is, just tell us a little bit more about it. Yep. So the hyoid sits in the throat uh, area. It's just in between uh, underneath the jaw. So just at the back of the the jawline there and it sits up in there. It's comprised of um, seven bones and three of these are paired. So the paired bones are what are called the stylohyoid, serratohyoid and thyrohyoid. And then there's another bone called the basihyoid, which is um, a bit in the shape of a chicken uh, a chicken wishbone mm-hmm. and it has an extension called the lingual process going into the base of the tongue. So it's sitting, um, it's quite an amazing structure because it's supporting the what we call the larynx and pharynx, pharynx so the opening of the airway and the esophagus that goes down into the stomach um, and it's inserting into the tongue so it also plays a big part in moving with the tongue and, and vice versa, influencing tongue movement. Yep. Um, it has a complex of supporting muscles as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the interesting thing with the hyoid is there's not a lot of research that's been 
done on it, um, its function and the problems that can occur in the hyoid uh, and its general importance and relationships within the body. Okay, yep, yep. Now, I've got to admit, when Raquel first talked to me about the hyoid, I had to go and have a bit of a Google and have a look and find out a bit more about it. And I think it's fascinating. I think it's a fascinating subject. And, you know, going into that research, I realised that people were doing just massaging around the hyoid, doing a hyoid release and things like that. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. But obviously, it's not something that people don't use. And, you know, these are credible people and people that have been on our show too. Yeah. You know, that are using this. So I think the more we learn, the more we can help the horse. And, you know, that's what we're all yep. about. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about what it is, but what about the function, the movement? You know, how's that going to work? Yep. So it's, it's really important because it's quite a support for the throat area. So for that larynx and pharynx area. So in terms of kind of keeping the airway open. Um, closing the airway to enable food to go down the stomach and not into the lungs Mm -hmm. and also the positioning um, of that airway so it's potentially a lot more important than we recognise especially in the breathing of racehorses um, which is a common problem that they have with um, airway issues and paralysis uh, in the airways and it allows that movement in swallowing Um, it's also tied in with the tongue movement because of that process into the tongue and in the way that it moves it doesn't move you know like a lot of joints have what we call flexion and extension so they'll move in kind of one one or two dimensions Mm -hmm. but the interesting thing with the hyoid is its movement is very multi-dimensional and directional so it can move forward and back side to side up and down and and kind of move around so it's like a gyroscope um, in that area because it's not firmly attached and it has lots of joints between those bones that allow lots of different kind of degrees of movement. Okay. Now, what about other animals too? Humans have a hyoid, other animals, dogs, other things? Is... Yep. They do? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we do have a hyoid. You can actually feel it. Um, it's kind of up in the, like right up in the top of your throat just Mm -hmm. underneath your jawbone Um, and it's quite a bony type of structure up there and but ours is quite a different shape to the horse obviously we walk on two legs and they walk on (laughs) four legs Um, and also dogs uh, have one as well and the interesting thing with the dogs is it can vary a little bit between breeds Um, again there's not much research done in dogs and only a little bit in humans, mm-hmm. um, and there's a difference in kind of you know the dog versus the horse because there's a, a quite a difference in the chewing motion of a an animal that eats grass compared to an animal that eats um, meat. Yes. So they do have kind of you know it's a, a different action of the jaw in that area, but. Yes, we have one. I'm trying to do a bit of a chew and a bit of a swallow while, you know, trying to locate <laughs> it myself. I'll have to leave that for another time and, and focus yeah, on that. Yeah, and it can actually make you go a bit out of balance if you really play with it too much. Um, <laughs> I've had a few osteos um, have a bit of a poke around mine. Oh, okay. Yep, and it, yep. Well, it can be quite painful sometimes. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Now, what about how does the hyoid then connect to the rest of the body? Yeah, so that's a really interesting well, the things that I find really interesting about the hyoid is how it does connect to the rest of the body and 
um, how it can influence the rest of the body and how the rest of the body can influence it. So obviously we have that direct connection into the tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, it inserts up into what we call the tympanohyoid joint, which is just below the ear, which is really closely associated with the um, the jaw, so the temporomandibular joint. Um, so they're really that's there's a direct relationship there with chewing and swallowing. It also has a direct connection through what's called the omohyoid muscle to the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is influenced or influenced by um, falling stride. And so that's really important to know. But the other thing from that omohyoid where it goes onto the inside of the shoulder is it has a, a, a fascial connection into the cutaneous trunchi, which is actually a fly twitch muscle, but through this connection, it then goes into the fascia around the stifle. Um, so we've got this direct kind of fascial connection going from the hyoid to the stifle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and under dissection, we've seen how this is influenced when we put a bit in the mouth and move the hind end, um, move the hind leg, and how we, if we change the pressure on the tongue, we can influence the motion of the hind leg. Um, which blows people away when they actually feel that in a, a dissection. So that's an amazing connection. The mm. other one is um, a direct connection to the sternum. So there's, there's a muscle called the sternohyoid and sternothyrohyoid, and they connect from the hyoid straight down to the top of the sternum. So you've got that direct connection there. And then through the work that's been done with the fascial connection, so um, there's an author called, uh, her name's Al Blonde, and Kerry Ridgeway has done a lot of work with, with the fascial connections, and uh, Equisoma has drawn up some fascial lines, and one of them called the middle deep ventral line, which means it runs underneath the body, um, means that there's a connection coming from the tendons in the hind leg up the inner part of the hind leg to the pubis of the pelvis through the psoas which is a muscle underneath the lower back and the diaphragm into the heart and the thoracic outlet which is um, at the sternum there and then possibly follows on up into the hyoid area Mm -hmm. so that's like another fascial connection going along the bottom of the body Um, and you can often feel these as a therapist being pulled in kind of certain directions when you really follow the pull on the hyoid so, yeah, that's some of those connections. I think I need to go back and listen to this part and get out, you know, get out my yeah, have sort a look of at Google book. exactly at the same time, you know, just so I can sort of follow yeah. along there. But I, I just think, Raquel, that anyone that's got performance horses, you know, performance horses, riding, mm-hmm. competing, coaching, all of these little things, you know, and scores these days, they're, they're so close in some things. But if you can improve your horse's comfort and improve their performance and they're going to do better, It's just such a deeper knowledge about the horse that I suppose the more depth of knowledge we have, the better horse people we're going to be. Absolutely. And understanding the hyoid, especially for riders, um, Mm, mm. can really make a huge difference to the way that they ride. Yep, yep. Well, what about sort of bringing it on now about what are the implications of bit, rider's hands? You know, how can this affect their movement? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I touched on that before in terms of in the dissections, how we see this connection happening mm-hmm. through when we um, are mimicking pressure on the tongue and then having people 
our feeling the difference in the hind leg movement. And so obviously any tongue pressure, because we've got that those connections that I talked about before, any tongue pressure uh, appears to affect the movement through the forelimbs and the hindlimbs. Also the space in between the incisors and the premolars, um, which is known as the bar, so the, the bony area between the front teeth and the back teeth, mm-hmm. um, and how that bit is going to fit in that area with the tongue. Um, the effect of the, the rider's hand. So obviously you can have a pretty harsh bit in a horse's mouth, but if the rider has very soft um, feeling giving hands, then you're not going to put as much pressure through those areas of the mouth. You're not going to compress the tongue and create as much discomfort for the horse. Sure. So if, um, and I've got an example of that. I was at a clinic and uh, I was watching a horse be ridden by a, a young person and the horse was very short in its stride and I noticed it had quite a harsh gag bit on and was um, being held, mm-hmm. you know, yes. most of the time consistently. And the horse just was, you know, for one of their words, kind of jacking up and uncomfortable. The professional rider hopped on the horse and he actually moved the um, the reins just up onto the snaffle, so off the gag. Yep. And I was watching the horse from behind. So when I'd watched it go down the poles in the first few times with the first rider on, he couldn't go straight and it, and it was short-stepping and there was quite a crookedness there. When the professional rider got on, Obviously, with better hands, change that position of the um, reins. That horse's stride increased by at least a foot, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that horse went down that line perfectly straight um, it, with it using its back a lot more effectively. Yep. So that was one amazing example. And then the other one was um, watching a horse be ridden in a bit, and um, then the rider changed to bitless. And just watching the horse's general canter. So the canter went from being quite short and choppy to, again, probably grew by by a foot or more and the whole body kind of elongated. Yeah. And yeah. it was quite obvious to myself and to the trainer um, at the time that the horse was just um, able to use its body a lot more effectively. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and that comes down to the... The bit, obviously, and but the way that the rider is using that bit. Yep, yep. We always talk about the rider's hands, and everyone wants to have good hands. It's just you know, non. Yeah. That's everyone wants that, but it also comes back to have good hands. You've got to have the basis of the balance, coordination of the aids, absolutely. And time in the saddle. You know, it's um, yep. yeah, and it's not just time in the saddle. It's good quality time in the saddle, which brings yep. us back again to the you know, get someone to help you. Don't just think you're out there doing it. You know, get someone, get some feedback, yeah, and, and make sure that you're doing the right thing by the horse when you're on their back. Yeah, and yep. understand how what you're doing is affecting them biomechanically. Yep. Yep. So yep. you know, the pressure in the tongue is like putting a brake on the horse. So you're affecting your kind of stopping the hind and that's why the bit is so effective mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. putting that brake on the tongue you're stopping the movement um being able to move freely through the hind end and and the front legs so yep, yep. if you look at it like that then any kind of 
consistent pressure through there, you've got the brakes on. Yes. And you're not going to get that full um, lengthening and ability to utilise the movement that they have. Yeah, yeah. So you've talked about, you know, the hyoid function being compromised. What else have you got to say about that? Um, So in terms of what happens when it's compromised? Yeah, please. Yeah. So um, sometimes you'll see horses that, are obviously uncomfortable in their mouth, so they can have alterations in their tongue positioning. To me, a good mouth is a quiet mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like to see a lot of movement. If it, you know a little bit of movement, a little bit of licking, chewing, that's fine. But when there's excessive, ongoing licking, chewing, salivating, yep. Yep. Um, it's not a it's not a positive thing. So that, and then if you see a tongue sticking out to the side, sure, a tongue that's um, unable to come out, so like they might lick and chew but you never see their tongue um, not being ridden, uh, a tongue hanging out of the mouth, um, or just doing funny movements with the, with the tongue, especially, you know, when asked for, say, a certain type of movement. Um, if they just do it in one type of movement, then there's obviously a restriction through the body there. They might um, head toss or nod under saddle. Um, they can kind of have sometimes a bit of a restriction in flexion, so they can kind of be held into flexion and not be able to reach through with their nose. Mm-hmm. Um, might be touchy around their ears where the top of okay. the um, yep. hyoid is. Yep. So they just at the base of the ear there, they can be very um, touchy and maybe they'll be funny, you know, bridling or, or something like that. You might see a crookedness, so in the head carriage, which obviously there's a lot of other things that can lead to some of these, but this is just, you know, the hyoids on your list. Yep. Um, high limb incoordination or just general lack of impulsion and stride length through the hind or the forelimb. And, yeah, they're kind of the, the main um, the main ones that we see, but there's it's such a complex area and can be influenced by so many things mm, that it's mm. generally affected, um, you know, whenever anything is going wrong within the body. Yep. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. And as you say, they can be caused by so many other things. And But if you've tried that and it's not working, this is another area that you can look at and yeah. say, well, what's really going on here with the horse? The horse is try- reacting like this because he's trying to tell you something, but they don't speak English, unfortunately. No, and it's a matter <laughs> of just a process of elimination mm. to keep searching, you know, for what the underlying problem could be. Yeah. Because there's, yep. there's always a reason. Okay. And you talked about the hind legs. What about the four legs? Yeah, so um, when the hyoid function is compromised, then you can see a short stepping stride in mm-hmm. front. Yep. And it's often more more bilateral, so more both forelimbs being affected mm-hmm. rather than, you know, a lameness or just okay. one yep. forelimb yep. being affected. So All a right. general kind of shortening. And obviously that can be neck and other things too. Sure. But that's one of the potentials. Okay. What about the actual injuries or damage? I mean, we've looked at what happens when it's compromised, but the injuries and damage. Yeah. So there's been a little bit of research done on um, arthritis in that joint at the base of the ear. Mm -hmm. And that's not that uncommon. It's just a difficult area to, you know, kind of 
end up in a diagnosis there. Um, so that can happen. You can get arthritis in that joint and um, the, they'll often cut the stylohyoid then from a veterinary perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, from a body perspective, that will create an imbalance throughout the whole horse. So it's not something that, you know, it's something from a, a body working perspective we like to avoid. Um, but obviously the horse's comfort is, is the main thing. They can fracture the hyoid, so people pulling on their tongues um, can fracture the hyoid. So if the horse, if you've got hold of their tongue and they rear up or pull back, then it can fracture. Yep. So that people do do tongue releases holding the tongue, mm-hmm. but it, that's fine, but it only should be done by people who really know what they've been doing and been shown okay. very effectively okay. because yeah. it can cause a lot of, there's a lot of muscles, but um, it can cause fractures in that area. Mm-hmm. Tongue um, damage, so especially we'll talk a little bit um, in, in a minute maybe about tongue ties. Okay. So yeah, they can get um, scars, scarring on the tongue or, um, you know, some horses might even get their tongue caught somewhere and damage the tongue, then that could also um, create dysfunction in the hyoid. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nerves supplying the face, so any they can get nerve damage, like cranial nerve um, damage, which can affect tongue and hyoid. And we know about laryngeal paralysis in racehorses, so that is affecting you know that area where yep. the hyoid is. Um, under dissection, I've actually seen a horse that had a omohyoid tear. Um, so that's one of the muscles that comes from the hyoid into the um, shoulder and it had quite a, a huge scar in that area. So obviously that horse is never going to be quite functioning optimally in that area. Yep. And the and what I find generally is just the restrictions in the hyoid. So that kind of gives me an indication of um, how much issues we've got going on within the body. So if the hyoid's really jammed, then it tells me we've got a lot of stuff to sort out within the body. If it's just in one kind of area, then I, then I kind of follow that throughout the body to see, you know, does working on the hyoid help or do I have to actually search, is it in the hip or something like that? Okay, okay. Now, you'd said about the tongue tie. So the tongue tie that we're talking about, is this the one that gets used in racing where the tongue's actually pulled out there's a knot around the horse's tongue, you know, you can say it's with yep. a soft bandage or something, but they're still tying mm-hmm. up the horse's tongue and then mm-hmm. tying it back. That's what you mean, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure yep. that would affect it. But if you can, I mean, it affects me just watching it, but um, I'm sure it would affect the poor horse. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, definitely. That I mean, it's um, an area that will hopefully have a lot more research going into it because, mm-hmm. you know, it's done for different reasons and often it's to stop them getting their tongue over the bit and you know some people say that it's to help their breathing but what they don't realize that they're doing is stopping that hyoid from then being able to move freely mm-hmm. and it is going to change the way that that airway is positioned yep. um, and their ability to swallow mm-hmm. um, so and it's also because we've just talked about those connections to the forelimb and the hind limb, then it affects stride length and it also affects the smoothness of the stride. So just, you know, the quality of Mm -hmm. the stride. So in effect, by putting the tongue tie on the horse, 
And I had one of my students say, well, why do they do it? Then they're actually slowing the horse down because in effect, by putting the tongue tie on, you're restricting their their range of motion. Mm. So you're not allowing them to go at their full speed. And maybe if they're having a difficulty with breathing or they're having a difficulty with putting the tongue over the bit, then you need to look at other reasons for that and other ways of addressing it and Mm -hmm. addressing the underlying cause rather than you know, the tongue ties just tr- addressing the symptom. Yep. And it's, yep. It's, yep. It, it can leave quite a lot of damage on the tongue when it's not done mm-hmm. um, appropriately. And there are other ways too of stopping your horse getting Absolutely. their tongue over the bit, you know, much more mm-hmm. humane ways. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, especially just looking at the type of bit that's being used. And yeah, yeah. yeah. To have a talk about. All right. Now, if someone wants to assess their horse's hyoid, how can they do it? How can they have a look at it and, you know, from a layman's point of view, what can we do just to find out a bit more within our yeah. own horse? So there's a few kind of direct ways and then indirect ways of, of assessing it. So obviously you can just feel up, um, so in between the the, the two, the, what we call the mandible, so the jaw aspect underneath, so yep. in the throat area, you can just feel in there like the tension, pain, um, tightness in the muscles, you know, you should be able to kind of feel in there and wiggle it from side to side and up and down. It should feel quite free and comfortable for the horse. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a direct kind of way. Knowing how your horse moves his tongue. So does he always go out to one side or or does it, you know, seem to move freely around? Mm -hmm. So some will, you know, always put it out to one side or they'll just put it out to one side when you're doing a certain thing. Um, Looking at your horse's sternum, so just generally look at your horse standing and does the sternum, so the front of the chest, seem to sit forward um, in front of the the shoulders or does it seem to sit high and up? Because sometimes, and and it can be, Sometimes it's from the hind end, sometimes, you know, it's from the shoulders and different things, but sometimes it can be that the hyoid muscles are pulling it forward um, Mm -hmm. and and pulling it up. And you can also just ask a horse's sternum, it's like rocking a baby, so you have one hand on that front of the sternum and one hand on their wither, and you're asking them to rock, um, yeah, just think of rocking a baby and seeing can they actually move through their sternum. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of horses can't, and that means that they're very restricted uh, in their forelimb motion and their ability to have self-carriage. Um, and sometimes that's, you know, primarily the hyoid and other times it's, you know, other issues leading to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably the main... Oh, and, and also the obvious one, like how does your horse respond to the bit and your hands? So. Yes. Do they open their mouth? Is there resistance? Um, do they feel like they're on the forehand? Mm-hmm. As I mm-hmm. said before, they should be. They should a quiet mouth is a good mouth. Yep, yep, yep. All right, and then sort of to finish off, so people have got something to learn and something to go away with because you know people want to know what they can do. And, and while we yep. can get, you know, a vet out and, or someone to look at, at their horse every week, that's cost a fortune. And, um, you know, we're trying to look at what we can do to improve our knowledge so we can look after our horse. What can they do to improve the hyoid function? Yeah, so there's some um, some some sim- simple things you can do, like 
learning any body work is going to be beneficial for your horse. Mm-hmm. So um, the number one thing is there's a, a method called the Masterson Method and yes. they have a, a book and it's um, quite easily available and they have four limb releases in there so they can be quite beneficial. So if you think of like releasing the shoulder area then because we know of that connection that we've talked about then that's going to help through the hyoid. Um, Groundwork, so getting off your horse, having a look at their sternum position and then asking them, can they shift that sternum back without stepping back, mm-hmm. without any brace in their head and neck. Um, and most horses, when I first see them, can't. Um, but when I get them to the point that they are able to, then I'm, then I'm really happy that they're able to have a lot better self-carriage and general balance. Mm-hmm. So groundwork in general and improving um, the balance and getting them off the forehand will take the pressure off the hyoid. Mobilising the jaw. So you can, um, you know, even just putting your thumb in in the mouth, um, but obviously not between the teeth, (laughs) um, just to promote them to lick and chew. Mm-hmm. So and promote mobilisation of the jaw. So there are some training methods that use the bit um, to mobilise the the jaw, um, so that can help release tension and um, just to get them releasing through that jaw can help with the hyoid as well. And another um, thing is hey hi, and, and that is some people find that a bit con- controversial. Um, but it's just for 20 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. And again, the horse has to be comfortable. If the horse is not wanting to do it, um, then they're obviously not comfortable. So, but what that does is it promotes a different position. It promotes some stretching and mobilization of the area. Um, it promotes some jaw movement. And they'll often pull a bit out of the hay net and then go down and eat some on the, on the ground. So 23 and a half hours of the day there eating on the ground or how they'd normally eat and for 20 minutes they're having their hay high to create um, it also creates a better balance mm-hmm. as well and, and helps you get them off their forehand okay so there are a few um, bit fitting is another big one which we don't do enough of in Australia mm-hmm. yep so yeah getting their bit fitted appropriately and making sure that they're comfortable in their mouth mm-hmm. um and by a professional person is, and obviously their teeth. Um, and then making sure that the rider, that's their hands, you know, which we discussed before, yep. are not the cause of the problem and that the rider has their own self-balance and self-carriage. Mm-hmm. 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 And treating mm-hmm. the horse, of course, by oh, a professional. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's more knowledge that we have also then we know when we need to call the professional, you know, because yeah, um, like if you, we need a professional. We need to get a professional in now because we can't, with yeah. our knowledge as a layman, we can't treat this horse. You know, it's it's out of our yeah. depth and having having the knowledge when to um, when to get a professional in, that's that's part of, I think, yeah. gaining your horse experience. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and starting to look at these little things and realising things that you might have taken for granted, you know, mm, such mm. as, the tongue movement when you ride or, or something like that, yes. that it's not actually normal and it is a sign of of discomfort even though the horse doesn't protest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, I think horses don't. They protest in their silent ways, but um, sometimes yeah, they don't. Yeah, often. Yeah, sometimes you've just got to really look. And, and when horses just blow up, you know, it's not that there's no reason, it's that they've kept it quiet and kept it quiet and kept yeah. it quiet and all of a sudden it's just got to the stage where they couldn't keep it quiet anymore. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, Raquel. This is so much knowledge. I've got to go back and listen yeah. again and, you know, as yeah, I said, get out my anatomy book. And, yes, yeah. yes, yes, for sure. But look, if people would like to contact you, what's the best way? Yep, so I am um, at CSU, Lecture in Equine Science yep. um, in Wagga. So um, rbutler at csu.edu.au. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. All right, we'll have those contact details at the bottom of your page, which will be, yep. well, the first one's horsechats.com slash Raquel Butler or, or it'll be Raquel Butler too. But just go to Horse Chats and search for Raquel, search for Butler, and you'll find out about a previous chat as well. All right. Yep, brilliant. Lots of homework for me to do, but yeah. <laughs> we'll keep going from there. As I said, the more knowledge we get, the better off we are, and then the better off the horses yeah. are, and that's ultimately why we're here. Yeah. yeah. The more we can listen and communicate exactly. with our horses. Exactly. Yep, yep. Thank you very much, Raquel. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye. Thanks, Glennis. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 